You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of NCBA's Beltway Beef podcast. I'm Hunter Ehrman, and today we're talking about beef imports from Paraguay and the animal health concerns that NCBA has raised over USDA's decision to allow Paraguay beef imports into the United States. Joining us now for this conversation is NCBA Executive Director of Government Affairs, Kent Backus from the D.C. office, as well as Jacqueline Wilson, a rancher from Nebraska and chair of NCBA's International Trade Committee. Thank you both for being here. Kent, let's start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about the background of this issue and why USDA has decided to allow Paraguay beef imports into the country? So for the better part of the last decade, Paraguay has had an application into USDA seeking access to the U.S. market. Uh, For Paraguay, this has been a top priority for them. Uh, This is the top of their trade agenda. They really want access to the U.S. market. Uh, For one thing, this this is a great opportunity. This is a great place to sell beef. But most importantly, they want that USDA stamp of approval. For them, that is really the endorsement they need to go in the market to a lot of other countries and say, hey, if our product's good enough for the Americans, it's got to be good enough for you. We have some of the highest standards in the world. And so that's really what they're seeking is for that approval. So they've been going through this process for you know the last decade or so. Uh, but you know, Paraguay has a history of foot and mouth disease, and that's really always been the hurdle that's that's kept them out. There's a lot of other issues and, and concerns, but that is really the main reason why it's been so difficult. Well, uh, you know, we're kind of going through this whole process now. Uh, USDA has has been reviewing uh, a lot of information coming from Paraguay. They've had both the Food Safety Inspection Service and APHIS uh, go down and, and review both of uh, you know both of those segments. So to gain access here, you have to not only have uh, food safety approval, but you have to pass that threshold to say that your animal health standards are, are up to snuff and that they're not going to jeopardize uh, the health and safety of the U.S. herd. So they passed the foot. Uh, I'm sorry, they passed the FSIS audits, and then uh, the last little threshold was getting that approval from APHIS. Uh, so last spring. APHIS put forward a, uh, a proposed rule and offered that for comment. And that's that's a nice technical way of saying, you know, they said that they are looking to open this market uh, to Paraguay and they wanted feedback from industry and from stakeholders. The vast majority of comments that were submitted strongly opposed Paraguay's access. NCBA really led that. And we laid out a lot of scientific reasons why we thought that this was not a good idea. Uh, one of the big reasons was the fact that, again, Paraguay has a history of foot and mouth disease. And even, you know, they've had a case in 2012. Uh, they've had other cases before that. And so that's a big concern that, you know, an FMD outbreak here would be devastating to the U.S. herd. Well, when they went through the process, APHIS did two in-country visits, one in 2008, one in 2014. And, you know, they, they from that information, they then conducted what's referred to as a risk assessment. And they reviewed those, uh, those in-country visits and determined that they thought that, that Paraguay was a low enough risk that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a problem and that they should be given access. So the announcement that came out today on Monday is that, you know, USDA was finally moving forward with that. Even though there were a lot of objections raised by NCBA and a lot of other stakeholders, USDA still made that decision 
to approve Paraguay. So Kent, how much beef are we really talking about? What are we really importing from Paraguay? So when you look at the access that they're going to have, um, you know, a lot of it is going to be in the form of lean beef trimmings. And they're really going to compete with Brazil in what's referred to as the other country quota. That's a about a 65,000 metric ton quota, which uh, is kind of the miscellaneous category. So all the countries that don't have a trade agreement usually trade under that quota. And the Brazilians push everybody out of there. They flood that market early. They drive up the tariff rates. Uh, because once that threshold is exceeded, there's a 24.6% tariff that's assessed on all beef coming in under that quota, which means it'd be really expensive for Paraguay to compete. So uh, it, it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. You also have to look at imports overall. You know, only about 11% of the beef that's consumed in the United States comes from a, a foreign source. So it's it's really not that big. And about three quarters of that beef that's consumed, that's that's imported, is in the form of lean beef trimming. So it's not really going to move the dynamic there. Our concern is not on the volume that's coming in. It's on the quality of the product that's coming in and the potential animal health risk that that may pose. So Jacqueline, I'd like to move to you for a moment. Uh, could you start, before we get into the issues, tell us a little bit about your background and your operation. Sure, Hunter. So I'm a commercial cow-calf operator on the western side of the Nebraska Sandhills. A fifth generation Wilson Flying Diamond Ranch started in 1888, and I partnered with my dad, Blaine, so it's a Red Angus and Simmental cow herd. Um, started getting involved in NCBA probably about 15 years ago or so, probably around that, that time, and just kind of worked my way up to where I am now as chair of international trade. So, Jacqueline, the reason NCBA is so opposed to this concern is uh, foreign animal disease. Tell us a little bit about how a foreign animal disease would impact you as a producer. I don't, Hunter, I don't even know if there's a word for it. And because it would just be a, it would be a, a whole other level of devastation that I don't think we can even imagine, you know, um, especially an FMD outbreak. From some, from some of the old stories I heard back in the days, you know, when we dealt with FMD before, I mean, it was, it was mass, mass casualties, mass herds. And of course, you know, it's going to absolutely devastate our producers and our, and our beef industry. And so I think that's one of the challenges when we're talking about Paraguay. Does Paraguay have some great things going for them right now? I, I, I they do. They really do. You know, um, they're continuing to increase their cattle numbers. You know, they're they're starting to look at confinement facilities. But the U.S. beef industry safety should be the number one priority for this administration. And and what they're doing with this decision is not putting us as a priority, and it should be. And that's very unfortunate. So Jacqueline, what's your perspective on the administration's action here related to Paraguay? I, I'm very disgruntled by it. And I think, you know, when you start looking at data and you start looking at, at they should be looking at more data. You know, they should be doing an overall review of everything that's going on in Paraguay now, looking at reporting systems. I mean, we don't want another Brazil instance on our hand. And unfortunately, some of the same players that are in Brazil have also opened up plants in Paraguay. And I and that's a huge concern of mine as a producer. And so I, I think, you know, if the administration can go and say, are you doing things correctly? Is the is the reviews in place that are necessary? Maybe we should could reconsider down the road. But at this point, I, I am not confident at all in the decision that was made and the steps that were taken to make that decision. And I mean, that all goes directly back to Vilsack, the USDA and the Biden administration. I'm, I'm I'm very disgruntled as a producer on this decision. 
So, Kent, we talk a lot about trade and some of the good trading partners that we have strong relationships with. Tell us a little bit more about what makes a trading partner, you know, someone we want to trade with versus uh, an incident like this with Paraguay. Well, Hunter, before we get into that, I would like to talk a little bit more about, you know, our concerns with the overall process. So, you know, so one of the key things that we raised with USDA was the fact that, you know, when these site visits were conducted in 2008 and 2014, USDA APHIS did not have the proper protocols in place to to gather that information accurately. This is something that you know the that the GAO uh, actually went in and reviewed. They looked at information being gathered uh, regarding foot and mouth disease. This goes back to Brazil, but that required USDA to make wholesale changes in how they collect that data. And when this data was collected, all of those new revisions weren't in place. So that's been our request of USDA's. You know, you can't make a risk assessment off of old data that could potentially be flawed. It's important that we do this, that we have a scientific process that actually takes into account all of those new standards that USDA is required to implement. So that's what we're saying. Just hit pause. Like if, as Jacqueline was saying, if Paraguay is is truly up to our standards, then the data should show that, and we should have no problem at all you know, going down for uh, going down there and having more of these uh, on-site visits, having that information transparent for review, and then going through that process. But to rush it forward like this really is uh, that really is concerning. Uh, we also have to look at the fact that even USDA's own uh, data has showed that about 85 percent of the foot and mouth disease mitigation measures, their whole system is based off of uh, you know, contributions from the private sector, 85%. And when you look at the economic impact of COVID and the, the broader global uh, problems that have happened, Paraguay's economy has been really bad over the last few years. So you can't just dismiss that. That's a major factor that has to be considered. Can they still provide the level of safety they could you know, a decade ago? We have a lot of questions and concerns about that. So these are all things we've asked for USDA to consider. We think that that is the prudent thing to do. It's the responsible thing to do is to go back and review this and confirm that. We cannot just take Paraguay's word for it. This is all about trust, but verify. And we don't think USDA has done that. So, Kent, I know NCBA has sent a letter up to Secretary Vilsack outlining some of these concerns. What's the message we delivered to the secretary? So that that's the main message is that, you know, we we don't believe that the information uh, that was used to arrive at this decision, uh, we don't think that it's 100 percent accurate. We think that it deserves review. We we want USDA to to take the prudent steps to be cautious here before we open up access to a country that may not be up to our level. Um, you know, I think it's also frustrating the fact that, you know, we know that this has been Paraguay's top agenda item. We also know that the administration is trying to win, you know, friends and allies in South America. So it seems a lot like this may be a predetermined outcome. And, you know, I hate to say that they may have just been going through the motions on this, but, you know, it, there's a lot of other a lot of other things that are kind of adding up here that we really have a lot of questions with. So if we truly value the health and safety of our herd, then just hit pause on this. We do not need to rush this forward. This is something that needs to be reviewed. It needs to be verified uh, because the future health and safety of our herd depends on it. 
I think to back up what Kent was saying, Hunter, is the U.S. producer should not be used as a chess piece in trade negotiations. And that's what it feels like this deal is. It was hastily made. I don't think I agree. It, you know, nine years of lost data in there is extremely important in a decision role. And and just the fact that are I mean, I'm concerned as a producer, you know, what what could this potentially have an effect on on not only fellow producers, but my herd. And that's that's a big, empty question mark right now that I think needs to be answered first. And Hunter, going back to your other question, you talked about what does a good trade partner look like? What is a reliable source? We have we have access with other markets. We you know we do allow beef imports from Canada, from Mexico, uh, from uh, Australia, from New Zealand. All of those countries have had to prove that they have an equivalent level of safety, not only on the food safety side, but on animal health. And so those are always, you know, the, those are always measures that are reviewed. Uh, that's a science-based approach, but it's also something that's confirmed and verified. You know, we're really going on 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 uh, Paraguay's word here instead of having that accurate information to base this decision off of. They could prove to be a trusted and valuable trade partner in the future, but we think before they even get a seat at the table. There's a lot of other questions that need to be answered first. So I want to take a step back here for a moment. If you were talking to somebody who doesn't work in the cattle business and you're trying to explain to them why this is an issue they should care about, what would each of you say? Let's start with Kent first. I think that when you look at the food supply of this country, you know, our food security is national security. Uh, and it's it's a very important part of everything. We have to protect our food supply. Uh, we can't afford to have any weakness uh, in our uh, in our defenses. We we have to make sure that animal health is paramount. That uh, food safety is a top priority. Uh, and to compromise that in any way puts not only it not only puts American cattle producers at risk, it potentially puts American consumers at risk. And so we really need to be careful about who we let into this system. And that's that's an important thing for everyone to consider. So it's not just about uh, what it could potentially do to cattle producers, what it could do to our entire economy and to consumers uh, all across uh, the United States. Jacqueline, what would you add to that? I don't know if there's really much to add. Ken did an excellent job. I mean, food security is first and foremost, I think, for any country. And, you know, and, and everything has a trickle down effect. So if something did happen to any of the protein groups, you know, beef, chicken, pork, whatever, along the lines, you know, it will trickle down and it trickles down all the way to the consumer. And it can it can devastate an economy. It can devastate lifestyles. I mean, there's there's a big big picture piece here that I don't think has been looked at, and it's is definitely a concern to start thinking about other countries that have that potential to bring product into the U.S. that we haven't vetted. And yeah, I think it definitely needs to be done for sure. Well, Kent Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.